ear is a very funny thing. Um, I think that there was a misunderstanding. And Everyone I... quiet! They're scanning the area. That was uh, close. We're lucky we have this bird of prey or we'd be toast. Uh, but what I was saying was... Shit, they're scanning again! They stopped scanning. Cleaner, what was that? What I was saying was... Oh no, they're scanning! No, they're not scanning anymore. Anything important? What I was... Whoa! Stop! I'm picking up scanning! Okay, they're done scanning. Oh, God, they're scanning again! No, no, that was on me. That was wrong. No, I wasn't! Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me in the away team are... Bill Woywad. Adam Bowen. Emily Bowen-Marler. And bringing up Lower Decks, Rudy Fisbaker. <laughs> Strange New Takes is a brand new Star Trek-themed pod. Uh, we were supposed to be covering Strange New Worlds, but since that's not going to be released until probably 2380, uh, we decided <laughs> to start right away by, by covering Lower Decks. Uh, but before we get there, we want to encourage you to follow us on social media. Uh, that is at Strange New Takes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And make sure to tell your friends to listen to us. We super love getting strange new listeners from all over the world, and your recommendations will get us there. And t uh, today, uh, okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> not just currently editing while what I'm writing as I'm reading it. <laughs> that was my fault. I was like, he's good. He's, he's, okay. he's getting it, even though it's changing. I thought okay. I was going to be saying that as part of mine, part of mine. But you know, okay. I was like, my stuff is good below, but who knows? It may change. Okay, uh, today we're super excited to bring you our strange new takes for the ninth episode of Lower Decks, Veritas. That's the uh, eighth episode. I messed that up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me edit that real quick. No, oh wait, yeah. <laughs> Let's, Let's keep going, guys. It's the eighth. And and, um, and this is this is why we need the five star ratings, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> your rating will help us appear higher on search lists, and if people are looking for Star Trek parts to listen to, um, that's that's what helps us. So uh, please do rate us. And just a heads up, this podcast and literally all of our podcasts include, include spoilers for this episode and potentially other episodes of Star Trek and or fandom. So if you haven't had the chance to watch Veritas and don't want to be spoiled, feel free to hold off on this episode until you get a chance to watch. If you don't care, jump right in with us. And now for the unscripted version of our episode, let me read off the episode summary. So, um, Mariner, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford are caught off guard when certain aliens force them to testify about a series of apparently unrelated events. That was from Memory Alpha. I just want to point out certain aliens, mm -hmm. certain aliens. That's very <laughs> ambiguous. Whoever wrote that from Memory Alpha. Um, yeah. So, all right. Strange new takes. Who's got a strange new take? I think I'll start us off uh, with our strange new takes uh, for this episode. Uh, and what it is, is that I am pretty sure that we were about to hear penis for the first time in all of Star Trek. And uh, I'm a little bit upset that we didn't go all the way there. I think that the writers are cowards. It was just the, the tip. There were... <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. I... It makes me wonder if there's like two times they were gonna say that because there's also I'm I'm guessing you're referencing the whole Rutherford thing with the flesh eating bacteria. Yes. yes. But Tana's also talking about shaving some and right. Yes. I yeah like I don't know what like those of questionable censoring just in general in this episode <laughs> and I I didn't get all of that anyway. Um, they, more they strange had, new takes. They had me at photon torpedo last time. So. <laughs> all right who's next okay i've got one okay guys my here's my strange new take in the future when historians are looking back <laughs> and trying to identify the exact event that precipitated the downfall of western civilization 
They will first <laughs> seem, seem to be many. The deletion, the erasure of the anchovy from the Caesar salad. We've been over that. It's the first event. The second <laughs> event. You guys know what it is, right? Everybody knows. It's the pumpkin spice latte. Ah. Okay. Uh, are you going to go to Ugg boots and North Face jackets next week? Because that's the progression there. It's a, I, this is a series of uh, grievances about food. Uh-huh. Um, I'm gonna. I'll get over it eventually, but I'm. I'm okay. on a roll right now. So. So and, and with this episode, then. <laughs> um, it was. I. I don't know how to say this concisely, but um, it. I thought it was great, and it was. Um, they, they used this plot framing structure, which is the trial, to then go back and fill in all the events, right? Kind of asynchronously, like almost like Pulp Fiction, or um, do you guys know? In the Pill Moonlight, the best, in my opinion, the best episode of Star Trek, period. And I, I always have fun with that. I think it's so great. So, um, yeah, really, really a home run to me in a really cool, creative way to tell the story. Is that Ronin or Seven Samurai? One of the two is is the Akira Kurosawa movie where that is more like from different points of view. It is like the same event is shown multiple times. This is kind of like that, but not quite. Um do you all know what I'm talking about? Anyone know? Okay. I think, yeah. I think it's Seven Samurai. I, I don't... Okay. Yeah, yeah. 13 Assassins is, is, a, is it, linear. Yeah. My, my awareness goes to that I know that Kurosawa is important and a a uh, person that I should uh, know that is of note, but that's about it. Okay. That <laughs> is all true. It's all true. All right. More strange new takes. Okay. My strange new take is that in 2020, it doesn't matter if you take a vacation because when you come back, everything still sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and my, my strange new take um, for the episode is that it's really important to hear what's really being said mm. because this mm. is an episode where I, I was right along with the lower deckers the first time I watched it. But then the second time I was in on the secret. Right. Mm-hmm. And I realized that if they had really been listening, they probably would have caught on a little earlier. Okay. I'm going to jump in. Um, I, my strange take is that, with the advent of consoles without CD-ROM drives, well, now, like, DVD-ROM, Blu-ray-ROM, whatever. I don't know <laughs> what they're called. But without that, there really is no point anymore to buying a console versus building a PC. You know, spend the extra money and just have upgradable components. I used to love getting little discs and putting them in and reselling them. But if there's no resale, who cares? So, anyway, that's my strange new take. I'll probably get flamed <laughs> on Twitter for it. Uh with this episode, I think we can now conclusively say we are eight out of ten episodes into Lower Decks. This is the strongest first season of Star Trek ever. And just... Oh. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think I'm nice. strong agree. Yeah. And, and yeah. people said that about Discovery. People said that somewhat about Picard. Like, we've never had a good one before, so maybe this is okay. And... Um, <laughs> they just get with, better and better? Right, with this one, there's no there's no argument anymore. Like, I you cannot name a better first season. Uh, I, strange I new strange new worlds, maybe. No. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> and you know, I, I don't know the cultural context in which the first season of TOS came out. So maybe people back then were like, "Wow, oh my god, salt vampires, what?" <laughs> and and it was just you know people got blown away. Maybe I I just I can't relate to that. But like mm-hmm. with this, it's done. All right, Rudy, strange new take. <laughs> um, temperature swings this time of the year. I've been in the United States for 10 years now, and I still can't deal with the swings. 30, <laughs> 40 degrees in a day. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Whew. All right, <clears throat> and the episode. Um, kind of similar to where you were going, Notch, um, but more along the lines of I like the whole stick it to the senior officers bit at the end. Um, really mm-hmm. liked it. They stuck it to Q as well. Um, <laughs> I think great. it goes with a good good theme of sticking it to our leaders or whoever we're not happy with. And yeah, let's let's use comedy to change the world. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That, that actually brings me straight into our story and writing discussion because the first point I had was from Antithesis on Reddit who makes these amazing posts calling out 
like 99% of the references in the episode and, and writing what they're referring to. And this is this is one that was a little bit more general. This episode borrows plot points from the series namesake TNG's Lower Decks episode in which a group of ensigns contribute to the senior officer's plans, but don't fully understand what's actually going on. And when I read that, I, I really had to kind of nod along and say, yeah, that's, that is essentially what we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't that like grand moment that we get at the towards the end of the TNG Lower Decks episode. It's been a while since I watched it, but I think there's that part where basically that uh, Bajoran, who was the um, uh, uh, Bizarro Tom Paris, is like she was in that squadron with oh, Wesley yeah. Crusher, and then they all got court martial. Cedar Jackson. Yeah, and so um, she um, she's sent to her death basically, or we assume is her death. Uh, at the end of that episode and that's when we figure out what's been going on through the entire episode up to that point and i don't think we quite got it here so but uh hmm. yeah what did y'all think yes yeah, so, like i suggested i just loved it i thought it was so fun and yeah i mean I, it's still not totally clear maybe you guys will enlighten me but it's still not totally clear what the plot or the heist was like i don't when they did the heist they didn't steal the guy's uh like uh suspended animation body right but they yeah, stole I think something they, that allowed I think them they to did. No, they, they did he was in that casket yeah, at least oh, okay. as far as i okay. can yeah. tell okay yeah. so they got him directly mm-hmm. okay yeah. i missed mm-hmm. that I, like they didn't go as far as like showing him like getting reanimated he, he, or like yeah. pulled out of the casket or whatever but i i think Uh-oh. it's safe to say okay. that he was in there <laughs> yeah um anyway yeah suspended I just thought animation it, it was i thought it was so fun <laughs> i mean it's so rapid fire um, they also had a ton of the super thick canon references or, or kind of self-referential jokes about TNG, which I think is, that's probably an individual thing if you like that or not. Um, but I thought they were funny and they had a lot of them. Um, and it, yeah, lots of action, really kind of funny character insights and a, a, a fun plot. So yeah, I thought of it. Oh, and I, I also really liked... <clears throat> There, there, they kind of had a meta acknowledgement of the premise of the show towards uh-huh. the end where uh, Boimler is giving his final speech before the big reveal that it's a party. And he says, like, look, of course they don't know what's going on all the time or they don't always have a plan, but that's okay because blah, 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 Starfleet, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's really the, the kind of premise of the show. Well, and they also had that line, like at the very beginning when Boimler said, someone give us some context, please, you know, so they kind of, they kind (laughs) of bookended it. Do do y'all want to talk about that right now? How Starfleet is viewed? Because I had that in our expansion to the world of Trek uh, section, but maybe we can, we can jump into that. And then I want to, um, I want to, I want to talk about the chronology of what actually happened in this episode. Because I, I have what I think is a pretty decent like capture of it. But I just I just threw in a bunch of quotes that we see. Uh, you reference Bill the 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 Boimlers that big monologue. I'll probably throw it in, in the break so people can hear what you're talking about again. But there's other stuff that Clar also says throughout the episode from the beginning to the end. You're telling me a Starfleet officer doesn't know what's happening on her ship at all times. You're Starfleet. Surely you must be briefed on every contingency. Your senior officers are always in full control. I need you to tell me that your senior officers are infallible heroes. These are four quotes from Clar, and what do y'all think? Is is this the fans' view of what Starfleet is as well? Oh, for sure. I yeah. Like it, it, it kind of made me think about like, is it possible that uh, there are in like in uh in universe there are actually Star Trek shows that are about like the Enterprise or like all the various versions of the mm-hmm. Enterprise and Voyager and whatnot? Uh, in terms of like. Because they they have this same sort of like, uh, like founding fathers or whatever a view of a lot of these people. Like they're these titans of history that have like, uh, been sent here by the gods to like have perfect morality and ethics for every situation. And, uh, I, I it, it's it's interesting. Um, even kind of going back and rewatching episodes that I that I watched a long time ago. Uh, and trying to not just have my uh my nostalgia blinders on uh but like they they do show fallibility in these episodes it's just that mm-hmm. we don't remember any of that shit <laughs> and yeah it's, i don't know it, it's interesting seeing that uh portrayed so well by all the characters in this show 
I think you're I think you're right there in the sense, right? <clears throat> there is an overarching theme across all the series that they are in control, but if you look at the Voyager senior officers or um through the time frame of uh, the Maquis and the the Starfleet crews merging, um there were there were problems there. Um Kiranaris, Odo, um mm-hmm. in, in the early seasons, um they were not quite um you know, neutral, stable people to look up to. They, Kieran but you just was, named people who weren't Starfleet from DS Nine. The two that you named from DS Nine. That is true. Well, so, that's true. Uh, uh, Encounter Good at Farpoint actually gets mm-hmm. into uh, uh, some of that with Picard, though. Like he, he is an incredibly distant and uh, like hard to re- like. He's very awkward when he's trying to relate to people. He he doesn't really understand how to. Um, sort of get that commanding presence that we're so used to thinking of with like we're we're all bought in by the time we get first contact but he is he's kind of a weirdo in a, in an encounter at farpoint and it's <laughs> it's something that uh when I was rewatching it like I hadn't really realized how um how much he resembles uh in that episode the Picard that we see in the series Picard where he's mm-hmm we get back into like, no, he, it, relationships are a hard thing for Picard to deal with. And, uh, there are certain situations where you, you put him into like those diplomatic situations. He knows exactly what to do, but he's kind of lost, uh, in some of that other stuff. And I, and I had honestly forgotten about a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, going back, um, good point on, on Kira and, and, and Odo, but even with Cisco in the beginning, I know he, <clears throat> and lost his wife to the whole Wolf 359 mm-hmm. incident and all that. But the kind of um, anger he has towards Picard, mm-hmm. it's it's like he hasn't healed. Mm-hmm. That's not quite Starfleet-like. That's often. not the way they want us to envision people in the 24th century, yeah. 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 People yeah. are supposed to get through those things faster, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and again, with Kira, um, it's, she's essentially suffering from PTSD, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the whole occupation. So... Um, there's two things though I think here. There's one about infallible human beings who um, who are not actually infallible because there are human things that happen to them, and then other senior officers who, which is where they could be going with lower decks, who are just not as good. They may not have grave events that have impacted them in a certain way, right? Like if you look at ransom or. Yeah, um, the captain. They're they're just you know not not good. Well, and I think that's the thing, right? Like you have a, a massive fleet. There have to be some people that aren't great, and I think this is the problem with. I I think this episode is really it, it gets to two things that I think the fan base it criticizes the fan base a little bit, and it gives them mm-hmm. what they've been asking for for years, which is number one, they criticize the fan base by saying here's what you keep complaining about every time we give you a character that isn't perfect or a Star Trek. Like, Michael Burnham, like, started the war. How could that happen? She's Starfleet, damn it. And, yeah. you know, there's there's some of that criticism of when stories move past the, like, 60s to 80s vision of, like, the military being perfect and, like, Starfleet being just explorers and everybody knows what they're doing. They're all great. Except for, you know, the few, like, when Cisco does the, like, it's a fake thing and... And, and all of that, um, we see those as isolated incidents. So so this is, I think, a criticism of that. And then the second thing is, I was really thinking about this because I it really still, like last week I talked about the Jellicoe thing. This week, again, it just grates on me just how often the characters are just like explicitly throwing out TNG references. And it's okay. Like, I'm not going to die on this hill, okay? It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> like, I get over it. But still... The number one thing, I saw this like on Star Trek Reddit last week. Somebody was like, I kind of wish Picard had just been TNG version two. And that's what this is. We're getting all of that TNG. Like it is exactly what the fans have been asking for for years. Like just give us TNG. Give us something that worships TNG. This is it. And so. (laughs) And you you didn't realize it was a cartoon. (laughs) That was amazing to you. So, so yeah, so th- this was when I, when I reflected on this particular story's writing and this issue of the Starfleet versus that, that's what came to my mind, is that the writers are thinking about their interactions with the fans or the franchise's interaction with the fans, and they're kind of 
giving a little, taking a little based on that. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I think that's really astute. And, you know, the the reality is that you cannot make a TV show today that had like characters like from 1990s Star Trek, kind of two-dimensional characters that always, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love 1990s Star Trek, but the characters are, I mean, they always do the right thing. And at the end of the episode, they're back on the bridge, victorious and whatever. Um, you just can't do it right in today's yeah. television environment. And I think, I think it's not like hardcore fans. I think it's a small group of purists really don't like that and really just want more 1990s Trek. And if they, and to be clear, if there was a TNG season eight that came out, I would watch it and I'd love it, you know, but it's just never going to happen. So, um, yeah, it's meta. They're calling it out and acknowledging it and having fun with it. Yeah. Um, I also want to point out that another thing about 90s Trek that really bugs me is when they go to commercial break and they just stare at the screen for a second. <laughs> and then it cuts, cuts to black. Um, l- let's talk about yeah. the, the conception of this story, right? And I want to get your opinions on the big reveal at the end. It's a trial episode. Except, hey, psych. No, it's not. Um, what did y'all think about that? Like, uh, Emily, you talked about the, you know, you go back and you listen. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff there. Well, I mean, like, like the thing I was noticing, like the the big reveal to me is pretty early on when he says, "Tell us about the one," or I want to hear about the wondrous events on, or what you know, what happened on that wondrous day. I can't remember exactly what it was he said, but um, it it just, and I, I totally sarcastic. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, see, and maybe that's why I didn't hear it the first time. Mm-hmm. But I really, th- I mean, I think that's what he. I don't think he was being sarcastic, and it's just so interesting how when you have a little bit more information, how differently the same exact things sound all of a sudden. And it, I also, um, the second time, also kind of, I saw a little expressions that Tendy was making, where she's like. Mm-hmm the map was for you know but like so these little it was kind of fun to watch this is one of those episodes that there's a lot of payoff watching it the second time for sure because there's so many little things that you can see that were happening you're like aha i see how these are all kind of weaving together yeah and and actually like the they kind of set up the possibility that we're supposed to be misinterpreting something where we we have those initial aliens that uh like the idea of showing them gratitude is like so offensive to them that they want to like destroy the ship uh and then we get into and like the whole reason that we think it's a trial is because this alien culture is so different from ours that like he speaks really angrily when like that's that's like he's wanting to show respect to them and it's a scary courtroom because it's their best event silo and that's where he got married (laughs) like yeah yeah (laughs) and and, and you know you just reminded me at the beginning our characters explicitly say that they're not sure that it's a prison Mm -hmm. right yeah right yeah 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 (laughs) Well, I was also thinking there was when you mentioned the um, the way the alien talked and all of that, there are, there's at least two different episodes. I know one for sure in Voyager. I'm sure there's one in TNG also where, you know, they're going through kind of like um, training for how to interact with those aliens because, oh, well, they you don't want to be too nice to them because if you speak to them nicely, then they interpret that oh, as being yeah, rude. Yeah. You really have to be, you know, so they they do things like that in um, throughout Star Trek where yeah. the aliens react oppositely than when we what we would expect or, you yeah. know, so the grat like the you're showing me your gratitude. What? Like, <laughs> that's so offensive. <laughs> Yeah. So, do do you guys feel that? I think we talked about episode timing, right? Like, this is isn't this the shortest since the short treks, right? The the twenty six minute ones. Are they trying to get people to watch it again, right? I mean, we're running a podcast, so we'll watch it again. But, um, small enough. Um, peel the layers off the onion. Is that is that a thing? That's a really good point. I don't know if maybe that's one of the motivations for, for doing lower decks. I do find personally that the, like I, I've told you guys this before, but I'm such a fanboy. I just love any Star Trek that comes out and I watch it and enjoy it. I, <laughs> I had this experience last spring. I uh, was in Japan and got, was flying home and ate sushi at the restaurant in Tokyo Haneda airport and got on the plane and you guys know where this is going right i got mm-hmm. terrible terrible food poisoning on this 
like 11 hour flight. <clears throat> oh no. And uh, yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. And this is right when COVID was starting. I was paranoid that they would think I had COVID or something because I was obviously sick. Anyway, I <laughs> during this horrible orde- ordeal, I uh, watched Discovery season two. And, um, it, you know, the, maybe it was colored by the unpleasantness of this whole experience, but it really <laughs> did not. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it the first time around, but rewatching it, I was kind of unimpressed. Um, mm. And so I don't, the the point I'm making is that, you know, the serialized format, I, I, my opinion is that it's objectively better than the episodic format. However, it is less rewatchable, right? This is the great thing about the nineties Trek is that it's episodic and you can just flip Mm -hmm. an episode on randomly and and watch it. It's comforting. Yeah. 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 I, I have to unfortunately keep us moving real quick. Um, you know, there, there's all the stuff about how this trial was just like the Klingon trials. Uh, we don't need to really touch on that. Cause I think it's obvious if you're a Star Trek fan. Uh, to touch on what you were just talking about, Bill, about um, and and Rudy about rewatchability. I on kind of a tangent. Previous episodes we had talked about like how new fans receive the series, and I saw somebody recommending Moist Vessel as the first episode somebody should watch if they want to get faith in the vortex. And again, we <laughs> reacted to that so differently. So I'm just saying there are different ways to to receive some of the stuff, and it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I I wanted us to talk about Roger Denar versus Khan, but maybe we can leave that for another time. <laughs> um, let's. Uh, I had, I had I, forgotten who Roger Denar was, but I had to I, look I, it up as, too. As soon as I, I saw his face, I was like, "Oh yeah, that episode." Yep, yep. Where he uh, made that fo- infallible um, crew quite fallible, right? Um, yeah. And and Notch, I, I don't know if you if you um, know more about this, um, but he's Subadar Roga. Dinar. Really? He, he has oh a, man, that's a, a rank, rank in the Indian yeah, Army. <laughs> yeah, in, in, in the in well, all subcontinental countries have that rank, so it's like a British colonial hand hand me down. Uh, it's essentially a captain's equivalent of a, a gazetted officer, so not really not really commissioned. But yeah, he had that. Mm. NCO. Yeah, so uh, one one final thing I will, I will reference in with, the, with the trial thing. I should have told this in a few minutes ago, but here we go anyway. The name of this episode is Veritas. Veritas is the Roman goddess of truth. She is the daughter of the Roman god Saturn, who's Greek equivalent, because remember, this Roman just took all the Greek gods, renamed them, and called it good. <laughs> Saturn's Greek equivalent is, drumroll please, Kronos, where uh-huh. we've seen two major previous Star Trek trials, or at least yes. presumably, and that I I tag Mike McMahon in my tweet about this, and he has not responded, and makes me really pissed off what? because I don't think they got it. Maybe it wasn't intentional, but it's so good because yeah. this episode is the daughter of those Klingon trials. And uh, anyway, I, I that really, is a deep cut. That's pretty it, awesome. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. <laughs> of course, the response when I posted this on like a few other places was like, "There have been other trials too. They're not all Klingon." Yes, that's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> was it, was, but this that is one the one of my responses as well. Like, I, was like, I think it might have been too. But it, it came on. <laughs> it came on a few is, other channels. But this is clearly hearkening to the Klingon trials. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not hearkening the back red to the other ones and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. Let's uh, let's move into character development talk. Um, we'll just get into a couple of these before we got to take a break here. Uh, first off, Mariner, and I wanted to call out that this is what might be one of the first times that we show her experiencing like real fear like i'm about to die and i'm afraid and not like i'm mm-hmm, screaming mm-hmm. in the face of death and what do you guys yeah. think about that she can't fight against eels apparently you know like that's she doesn't know how to fight that way but did she call out that hey you're putting eels and then turning on the burner is that redundant <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You and the eels are getting affected by the burner so they're not able to do anything <laughs> um but yeah, I, I actually like the bit where she, right in the beginning, where she's like totally uh, making fun of Earth and how that is not the place to be. Um, it kind of took me back to like the end of DS9, right? O'Brien and Keiko want to go back to Earth. And uh-huh. like, yeah, I, I forget what she said. It's just. She said that there's only thing to do on Earth is to drink wine, go to vineyards, and go to soul food restaurants. So she's, you know, <laughs> harking back to Picard and to Cisco's dad. Yep, yep. <laughs> Is it Joseph Sisko, I think? Any, I can't remember his first yeah, name, but I think so. 
Anything <clears throat> else on Mariner? Um, I so so there there was a reference again to her getting into a Klingon prison. Yeah, this, mm. remember the first episode she talks about being at Rurapenthe, basically, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. having that uh, Yeti that stole her shoes for like yes. no reason. <laughs> this is the second time, so I wonder if whatever happened to get her to get her busted down the ranks had to do with this whole Klingon business. It could, it could. I mean, having two references, that's. Hmm. Yeah, so um, Boimler has sensitive corneas. <laughs> and he takes pottery classes. And he takes pottery classes, which mm-hmm. which exist on the Cerritos. Yes, that's also true. <laughs> and he swears um, by a maneuver. 88, was it? The one that he kept trying. 84? <laughs> <laughs> well, he did. That, yeah. that was a great scene. <laughs> I love That was the best scene for the whole episode, actually, for me. Um, he was, like, no he, wrong answers. Come on, just throw something out there. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying Every to, answer is wrong. I was trying to draw. Are you to serious? Eighty like, four. <laughs> I was trying to draw to like conference meetings where you get like maybe a junior person in and they're on the spot and maybe they say stuff and it, it just it felt realistic to me and he was, <laughs> he was so sweetly falling over. It was it was amazing. Well, but this was this was Boimler's dream, right? Chaxis comes out and says. Come on, son, this is your chance to stand out. Like, you know, to prove you can do it. <laughs> he, blows, he sucks at sucking up. He's like, yeah, Captain, you know what you want to do. <laughs> He's just like blinking at her or winking at her. And it's just, uh, anyway, it was, it was, it was pretty great. I, I, I noticed that Mariner turned on him there too, which I didn't expect. She's like, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, she did, did cover for him. Right. She covers for him, right? Like she, she jumps in and. Well, it seems like she was totally shocked at how bad he was at it. Like, she seems to have a pretty easy job doing it. And then she was like, what? How are you so bad at this? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, hey, let's, let's take a quick break over here. We shall return with more strange new takes. Why are you doing this to me? I need you to tell me that your senior officers are infallible heroes. Well, they're not. And that's okay. We all joined Starfleet to dive headfirst into the unknown. We're explorers. Of course we don't always know what's going on. Did Picard know about the Borg? Did Kirk know about that giant Spock on Phylos? Did Dr. Crusher know about that ghost in the lamp thing from the Scottish planet that she hooked up with that one time? That whole thing. You clearly want us to say that the captain and her crew messed up, but we simply don't have the full story, and that's the truth. Whatever they did, I guarantee you it was all for good. You have shown no evidence that they're guilty of a crime. In fact, I find you guilty of trying to take them down with this sham of a trial. Drumhead! Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We're talking about Boimler and his character development. Any final points before we move on? Yeah, so um, towards the end, before he gets... uh, he gets called out and being totally confused. Boimler actually stands up for the senior crew, um, and in, in a most uh, realistic, plausible way, they're not they're not infallible, right? Um, and he gives great examples, right? Again, all, uh, you know, uh, Picard and Borg, Crusher and her Scottish uh, <laughs> <Separate> trip. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so and then he accuses the prosecutor um, of being an idiot or whatever, right? Um, so, so I actually, again, I, I've said this before a couple of episodes back, I, I think there's a lot of Boimler in me. Um, but, um, he, he, I think he is that nineties fan as well, right? Like who's, who's standing up for the, for the senior crew and, 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 and kind of, um, backing them up and, and saying that while they're not infallible, um, it's for the greater good. So, yeah. Way to go, Boimler. And I, I see, I've seen that in a couple of episodes as well. Like, he convinced the captain. Which one was it? Was it the one with the the Genesis goo where she was having a moment? No. Of no, it was um, uh, Temporal Edict. Edict. Temporal Edicts, yeah. Temporal Edict, yeah. There you go, yeah. right? So, so he's... The eyes of a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I think that's, that's, um, that's an adorable thing, right? Well, well it's also... In- I think in, in those early episodes, he's like, the senior officers are perfect. And now he's, you know, to your point, he's developed past that. Well, and he reads all their logs and they're stepping in it all the time. Right. You know, like. <laughs> right. 
So it's almost it, that almost shows that he the more he gets to know them. I mean, it's showing character growth, right? You mm-hmm. know, so when he's first when the first episode, he doesn't really know them that well. But mm-hmm. now he's had time to be able to read their logs and see how much they screw up. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do we um, do we think we're going to get a weird or biggish reveal at the end of this season on him potentially not being we think he is or you know all those weird theories that we have he's just going to be regular fumbling boiler in the season finale i i think they've got so much other stuff they could do i i think it's going to be like kenneth on 30 rock where there's this running joke that he's immortal but Mm. it's never like called out specifically it's just like he continuously like hides his age he doesn't like he refers to things that happened hundreds of years ago in the first person and like there's just stuff there, and I think that's what we'll see with Boimler. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see something happening to him as a uh, trigger for Mariner's character to do something different than her character has done in the past, and, and being a pathway to something with her. But I'm also kind of thinking, like, maybe that's they need to leave that like Mariner reveal for like almost season two or season three, because I think once that goes away, we lose something. I don't know what y'all think about that. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Go ahead, Adam. No, I, I, we, I think we were about to both say, "Oh, yeah, I think so." <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, th- this is um, not a narrative-based argument, but since they greenlit two seasons at once, the writers have the ability to storyboard two seasons, right, in an arc that spans yeah. two seasons. So I, you know, we only have two episodes left, right, of this yeah, season. Yeah, but I think yeah. I'm guessing the you know, the finale is just going to be a super fun romp. And I, I don't think there's going to be any big character reveals, but I could be wrong. The the actors in their panel did on Star Trek, they did, did say, refer to something about character growth and how they know something that's coming that the fans don't. And that's how they, that's why they enjoy seeing some of the reactions. So I'm kind of curious what that oh, okay. refers to. So we'll see, but you're right. Um, Let's talk about Tendi, who replicates a lot of ice and likes mm-hmm. Khan's thick chest. I like that we, the word thick has now entered the Star Trek lexicon. That's pretty yeah. good. T-H-I-C-C, thick. Um, Tendi can fight. What do y'all think about that? She kicks ass. Yeah, she yeah. And it, so, uh, is so good at it that she impresses uh, like senior officers and what I assume are Makos. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that was... I, so I, oh, I, oh, I was gonna say, I wonder what a cleaner is. Yeah, you know, uh, is it is it anyway. like is it like that guy from Pulp Fiction, Wolf, the guy who like, oh yeah, cleans Harvey up Keaton. after something yeah. bad yeah. happens and yeah. like a, because clearly there was a big misunderstanding there. So. Yeah, and I I wasn't actually sure like I wasn't sure if she misread like because we at least show <laughs> while she's in the uh, conference room that she can get so excited about uh, having someone appreciate her and feel, feel good about her that she stops paying attention. So like, was it, was it that she's, that she saw cleaner and just assumed she was only going to be cleaning the room or uh, was ransom one, the one that got confused. Right. Yeah. I got confused. Cause she, <laughs> she, she does have, I mean, you, you don't get that kind of fighting capability off the bat. So the fact that she can do it, that has to be on a record somewhere. And maybe she was yeah. specifically asked for, for that. Who knows? Um, just like Sulu reminds... knows how to use swords. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, something I, I referenced, we were going to do before, but I think this is a good time to lay down the chronology of what happened. And I'm, I'm going to give you all what I think happened and let me know if I missed something. Okay. Which is. They steal the map for the, from the clickets. That's what they're called, the, the bug species. <laughs> then after that, Shaxes, Rutherford, and Billups go and steal the bird of prey from the Vulcans. And the reason they do it is because they have to cross the neutral zone. So this can't be a mission that everybody knows about. It has to be a need-to-know basis thing. Mm-hmm. So they can't like... So the Vulcans can't just be like, here, have this bird of prey, which is crazy that they have one. Anyway, with cloaking technology too. Um, yeah. But so they take the bird of prey, the ransom team meet up with them. And when we see Rutherford outside in space, they're they're changing ships. And that's when Tendi and these guys head off to Romulus in the bird of prey. And that's when they steal the uh, uh, stasis pod and mm-hmm. get out of there. And that's that's the chronology as far as I know. 
Yeah. How did that and sound? At the same time, Rutherford goes off to a Gorn wedding. Uh, right. Presumably in Klingon space, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's at the Vasius Rosk. So um, yeah. It's... <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So, so that's that's the that's the chronology. And uh, getting back to Tendi. She is uh, playing some fucked up mind games, apologizing to enemies before she kicks there. <laughs> oh my god, um, Rutherford! What do y'all think of Rutherford in this episode? Well, Adam stole the best part when it, you know, the Denobulan <laughs> flesh-eating bacteria on your peen. I was like, did they just say peen? That is hilarious. <laughs> Apparently they eat your underpants too. So. I know, I know. So I also thought, I loved the, um, where he was talking about that he needed to, um, he needed to rotate the EPS capacitors because they overheat. And anyway, that just seemed like such another deep cut, you know, like just the kinds of the things that you see people working on like, Oh, that's what they're doing there. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that, that the, the deep explanation for it is just that it's, it's mindless, boring tasks right. that don't have any purpose, right? but it keeps them from overheating. Yeah. And I have, this isn't really a Rutherford thing, but it happened during Rutherford's part of the story. Um, Wow, they're really revealing the secret racism of so many different members of Starfleet. Um, and maybe this is just like pointing to all of us and the inherent racism in, within each of us. But he's like, oh, yeah, Spock and Spock over there. Oh, the yeah, yeah. Vulcans. That was like, you know, ugh, like, ugh. oh, gosh, it was like when they were just calling, um, I forgot her name, but a cat, you know, they were just like, oh, that, cat, you know, you're just a cat in a coat or whatever. Oh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, you all are so racist. What is happening here? Yeah. I actually didn't catch that the first time when Spock and Spock is like, wait, Spock is in that too. Is this is this like a <laughs> yeah? I, really I had a moment deep of confusion too. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, I'll, you... I'll give a shout out to Antithesis who said that Spock and Spock, the Spock of course being a reference to the the science officer on the Enterprise, and Spock of course being a reference to Michael Burnham's brother. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, keep going. Sorry, Rudy. I cut no, you no, off. no worries. Um, and and we we're talking about the the um, I think it was you, Bill, talking about the the type of plot and how they were kind of showing different things, you uh, Notch as well, and in in different views. Um, when you mentioned that, I thought of um, Memento a little bit, the movie, um, mm. and so maybe I'm not getting this right, but the bit about Rutherford losing his memory at critical times or like the sort of black blacking out. Was there a connect there? Do you think on on Memento is it, was the plot like Memento? I don't know. Because um, uh, he couldn't really connect stuff, but he had these snippets. Yeah, I. I mean, because like Memento gets into that he he is incapable of forming new long term memories, so he sort of like forgets things like that. Uh, so I I suppose there there could be something where we like maybe he was awake. Uh, during those times, but then forgot about it. Um, it, it, it kind of actually, um, it intrigued me because I, I had the thought of, uh, is Rutherford more competent without his implement implant? Uh, like, so it, he gets re rebooted. Is it that the implant is turning off and uh, he is like completely free of it. And so then he's able to be like undercover and like make good decisions about things and have, and like think in the moment. Um, and I guess if if that's the case, that uh, ties well with what we've seen his character do over and over again, which is kind of a um, uh, a thing that an easy mistakes as that junior engineers can make is you try to fix something that's not broken. So like you try to change the speakers uh, for the red alert system, which is a system that <laughs> yeah. you should never, ever touch. Like we perfected it on uh, the NX-01 and we never needed to touch it ever again. We like, it's okay that we're using 300 year old software and speakers like, <laughs> but uh, like, and, and I, what I, I guess what I'm thinking is if that's the case, uh, maybe there's not like a tragic uh, like Detmer type uh, uh, or um, uh What's her name? Uh, the other one, the lady that's completely cybernetic in uh, um, Arium. Arium. Uh, the yeah. yeah. So maybe there's not a tragic backstory to like why he's uh, replaced uh, part of his skull with a uh, and his eye with a an implant. He might have just been like, oh, I will be able to think that much better if I just have this this thing, which in reality has just caused all these bugs and uh, uh, yes, and allows him to defeat Borg. Uh, but in almost every other situation, he's less competent. 
Perfect memory, though. Which, again, it's the same thing you're referencing, like, recording that mm-hmm. last time. Mm-hmm. Now we know he has a perfect memory. Uh, also, another Microsoft shout-out, updating Klingon fonts. Um, <laughs> even maybe Adobe uh, Fallout. He also does Uhura's Dance from The yes. Final Frontier. Yes. Um, that was so good. <laughs> God, I had to go back and watch that scene again. Oh, man, the you things I don't that movie. <laughs> Bill Shatner, man, what a director, huh? Um, <laughs> the I I enjoyed though the aspect of walking on a cloaked ship and bumping into things. Mm-hmm. That was like mm-hmm. strangely like I don't know. I was like, oh, of course that happens. That makes yes. sense. <laughs> um, let's let's move on to talking about senior officers. Uh, Captain Freeman, who y'all have called out for being a diplomatic badass, managed to piss off the clickets while getting the map. Yeah. What y'all think about that? And a badass. Yeah. <laughs> she got the map. Huh? At the end of the day, that's she that's did. the she important did. thing. Uh, she did. She did the beam in pose when she comes in. You know, the one where she's crouched yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Where is that from? I forget now. That's. Uh, I feel like we see that in. Um, it's in. It's in Star Trek 2009. Spock on the pad when he's gonna go down to Vulcan. He's like in the yeah, pose oh, and yeah. like oh, down. Yeah. Pretty it's badass. like the moment where. He looks the most like Leonard Nimoy in that movie, too. Like when mm-hmm. he's on the planet, we're like, oh, mm-hmm. my gosh, how did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's also Terminator, I feel like, has that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Give me your gun, your clothes and your motorcycle. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other thing we see about Freeman is she wants to be transparent, but then she's not. Uh, all right emily this is your time to shine we were upset you weren't here last week because you know know. we got to see mr creepy ransom ransom yeah (laughs) full effect (laughs) so now let's let's talk about ransom and his seal buddies his mako buddies as bill assumed that they were um yeah please you know i i just have to say like i thought that ransom was really gross in the first couple episodes then he got less gross and then he got gross again Yes. And like he got like the grossest this time. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, we needed someone to come throw him into a table after that happened. But I guess a salt vampire got him, so it's okay. <laughs> but um Yeah, gross. uh his uh tour of Casa de Ransom Ugh. consistent <laughs> with his visit to Barcelona. So <laughs> Yeah. I, I did like that he, he added in the, the trilling of the R. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, uh yeah, and and this gave us our our view of the fact that in in Starfleet you still get matching tattoos if you're a bro, <laughs> uh, and and of course you had the scanning, ah, so much scanning. <laughs> that was that was great. I really enjoyed that whole segment very much. Also, the scale though, the tiny little old bird of prey versus Diedrich's. Did you all yeah. know that? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it's, I didn't realize there was such a big difference. Yeah, it, it's. I, I mean, I, I guess we, we know that the the Dideridex or whatever is like a uh, an enormous vessel because it, it's. I think they they're way bigger than the Enterprise, the uh, Galaxy class version. But yeah, we we've never had like a a direct comparison between the Bird of Prey, as far as I know. It's like a shuttle. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, let's. Uh, the, the Shaxis and Billups, we see a bunch of them, but I don't know if you'd really learn anything other than the fact that Billups seems to be watching TNG holodeck reruns. <laughs> Time uh, zero. <laughs> yeah, Mar- Mark Twain's got a gun! And, yeah. and he also says, the garbage bag's behind you, which is a reference to Tasha Yar's death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. 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 I missed that. I got the Mark Twain one, but yeah. If you use white garbage bags at home, I probably didn't get that reference like me until it was explained to you um oh. but yeah, <laughs> they, um, yeah uh dr ta'ana sheds i wonder if she also gets ferminated like my cats do uh-huh. um, <laughs> but i enjoyed that lint roller gag very much did y'all get that whole uss alhambra thing well i so it there's an episode where dr crusher has it's like some alternate universe but it was a little different than hers where everyone there are fewer and fewer people that were on the ship and it kind of seemed to me like it somehow was hearkening back so i thought oh it's a doctor in an alternate universe episode kind of thing so that was what i thought it was referring to when i, I think I, they just wanted to have fun with the goatees and the mustaches and stuff and, <laughs> and isn't jack's wearing lipstick yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> is, isn't there a TNG episode where there's like five fifty thousand enterprises next to a parallels? Yeah, like a yeah. rift, and everybody's kind of different, and there's like one Riker who is like, yeah. So get me oh, out yeah. of here! Uh, he it's a warp episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was the one part of this episode. I was like, I don't understand what this like it seems like a very superficial reference but sure i'll just take it um and then i of course i there was that line about shaving something which i didn't i don't yeah maybe we just leave it right there yeah. and, and yeah, leave yeah. the censorship uh where it was <laughs> well, it, it was especially interesting because freeman was like yeah maybe you should <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh god yeah um mm. also hey if you're listening this is actually really serious do not shave any cats or huskies or anything that has like an undercoat. You don't want to shave them because they rely on that undercoat for regulating their temperature. And if you do that, you've actually messed them up big time. So mm. if you have animals that have, have a coat like that, there's some cats that you can like give them like a shave and it's okay. But uh, take that, like look it up and, and, and do some research, ask a vet because there are some that it can actually be really bad for them if, if you just shave their entire coat. Because some people feel like it's really hot. I should like shave it. It's actually worse because the air that's trapped in their undercoat actually helps regulate their temperature when it's really hot and keeps them cooler. Mm. So anyway, just the so, more, just, you know, yes, yeah, stuff <laughs> strange new day tucked yeah. away there. Um, okay. Let's talk about the expansion to the world of Trek. First of all, earth, we talked about how it's extremely boring, drinking <laughs> wine, soul food restaurant. Sounds great to me, but Hey, what I do know, I know? I love it. I'm going to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, if you look at our notes document, you will see a screenshot of the Gorn wedding, uh, which <laughs> is, you know, I mean, that's, that's a pretty great ceremony. Um, I, I think the only wedding that I've seen that was better was Bill's recently. I think I, you, you superseded the Gorn wedding in, in how you all did it. I like the Gorn wedding's folding chairs. Those are pretty great uh, if you look at those. Yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently Gorn really don't like it when you show up. They just start eating you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. And of course, the wedding was, as I mentioned, at the Vasquez Rocks. Uh, Q tests other captains too. Uh, the chess... <laughs> Cards soccer game. Yes. <laughs> did y'all figure that out? I didn't. Uh, I did not. <laughs> Last thing I remember was a soccer ball was trying to talk at, and dance. Yeah, yeah, get a cat's face. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, What's humanity I mean, it's all about? Time. <laughs> 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 oh, um Getting shots before you travel is a thing. Billups asks Rutherford, have you got all your shots? And that's what the flesh-eating bacteria that eat your underpants mm -hmm. come up. So that's... A, that, that's no, I'm not glad that that's something that hasn't been resolved by, like, Starfleet yeah. times. You'd have thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we come to K2, then. So I read about this episode. I read the summary just a little bit before I watched it. And I read the name K apostrophe t-u-e-b-a-n and i was like ketuvian ketuvian and it's ketuvian well there you go did y'all pick up that the ketuvian that they show us as a planet is earth uh is it oh see now we're all looking close that's india with sri lanka there oh yeah it's just oh. it's like turned upside down kind of uh -huh. Yeah, there's Japan and Indonesia, and yeah. Uh-huh. So that was something someone on Reddit noticed, and I, I had to blow up the image to figure yeah, out. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff happens all the time on shows. Like, well, and actually, uh, the original series, I think, had a, a reversed... Uh, upside down or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, like, all the time you'll see in shows, they, they do, they'll do, like, a flipped Mars or, or whatnot. And also all video games, like, no one, no one wants to design a new moon. <laughs> they just, they put Mars up there, and then I just get sad. It's so fun. <laughs> Below what we what we call Japan, what is that though? It's like this weird triangular almost landmass. That doesn't seem familiar. Right, the big one below. South Korea. Isn't that India? That's yeah. where the event silos it's... are. <laughs> <laughs> well, India's on the left, but anyways. Yeah. Because well, isn't it kind of on its side? Yeah. <laughs> We're all turning our heads. <laughs> this is great for for audio yeah, podcasting. Right? Um, so what 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 all did y'all learn about K two They're very mm. different than us. Mm. But I mean, it, it is it it did lead to me just in the initial shot of the episode, like assuming that it was a Klingon homeworld, and that that that's like I was a little weirded out that they weren't literally oh, yeah. Klingons, but um, 
But yeah, I guess that was yep. the point. Mm-hmm. Well, and they set there's precedent earlier in Lower Decks that all you do for Klingons is K apostrophe, and then you know, so <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. how they name their characters. That's and a deep cut. Oh wow, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I suppose it's possible that they are like part of the Klingon Empire, uh, just not Klingons themselves. So did anyone else think they kind of looked like Remans a little bit? Like there were certain me, but... things because I didn't think because there was the episode where or episode there was the part where the Romulans were coming through and they're like huh. I hate Remans you know <laughs> and then I started thinking you know after they said that I started to think that maybe the interrogator and the other guy who's in shadow for most of it they kind of do have some Reman like features so then I wondered if that was why he was kidnapped and I don't know I oh just... interesting yeah one thing's for sure halls are booked back to back right. He just booked it for 22 minutes. <laughs> they celebrate quite a bit. Yeah. Um, they have many sacred horns. They have a beam of celebration, the tank of contempt um, with its redundant burners and eels, which mm-hmm. I was really frustrated. We didn't find out what the eel, like, why do you kill people during a celebration? Mariner's asking and she gets dragged away right as she's about to get an answer from Clar, and that bugged me. Oh, man. Well, maybe they're not going to kill people. Maybe it like they tickle you or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Clar, of course, the Ketuvan we are most... Ketuvan that we are most familiar with, played by Kurtwood Smith, a.k.a. Red Foreman, a.k.a. Uh, the Federation President, a.k.a. Uh, Anorax from Year of Hell yes. on Voyager. Yes. Uh, great actor. Uh, mm-hmm. Very cool to see him make an appearance on the show again. And uh, then, of course, we mentioned the clickets, which who hate gratitude, apparently. That, that's that's crickets, right? They just decided to go with the L instead of the R. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the Romulans still hate the Remans after Nemesis. That's, that's established in this one. And we get to see a bridge and transporter room of the original Bird of Prey. And I wanted to ask you all, do we see those in the original series ever? I don't know. Like, I wanted to compare them, but I didn't, I couldn't. Not watch the original series much. Well, uh, in that first, what is that first episode that they have um, where it's like kind of the hunt for Red October, but uh, uh, I know exactly. Terror. Yeah, right. Balance of Terror. Balance of terror. I, yeah. I feel like they show the bridge in that, but maybe is it not. the bridge or are they showing the engine room? Because aren't they stealing the cloak? Yeah, it's um, it's a. I think it's a tied up like view screenshot, and it's of the same guy who plays Sirik, right? Mark. Yeah, yeah, Mark, Leonard, uh, Mark Leonard. Leonard, Leonard. yeah. So Isn't there another if... episode where we see a Romulan, a woman Romulan? Right, the, the Enterprise incident, which is a yeah, great episode. Was, yeah, I'm so trying I don't to think know. That I mean, they were so us. cheap with the sets. You know, I'm, I, yeah. I can't recall actually seeing the transporter room or mm. the bridge, but maybe, maybe they go there. I don't mm. remember. You know, if you put all of our brains together, we like know everything about Star Trek, but not each <laughs> one of us knows everything. You know, kind of like, that's what I love about this, this podcast. That's I what know, I love about all of y'all. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's keep moving because this is this episode has already just about hit the sixty minute mark, and um, there was a lot of um, trivia that we picked up in this this episode, and the. The first piece is that this takes place approximately one year after Nemesis is what Antithesis on Reddit thought. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. And the thing that I had not realized is that it didn't occur to me. This is right before Romulus gets blown up, like seven years before Romulus gets blown up, precipitating the timeline rift. So I wonder mm-hmm. if this is Romulus's last appearance chronologically in Star yeah. Trek. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the prime mm-hmm. timeline. That's that's pretty intense. Um, and let's see here. The, the the shuttle the team uses to get to the museum is the same one from the motion picture. That was, that was a deep, deep cut. And then there's a whole list of ships that we see in the background of the Vulcan Museum. I uh, totally missed all this. Wow. Yeah, yeah I, I, got, I, I got the ships. Yeah, that, yeah, you listed a lot of them. But yeah, I got the... I think that was actually... Um, the first contact ship. If it's a museum, then they've probably got it there. The actual oh. one. Yeah. I wonder what the what's a worker bee. There was there's one ship called the Yellow Worker Bee, and I don't know what that is. Um, that it sparked something in my brain, but I can't make the connections. Hmm. Apparently, there was also an obelisk, like the one from two thousand one, <laughs> in there. 
and a large upside down pyramid with a light at its tip. So, uh, um, anyway, you can go back and, and pause through the episode to take a look at those if you so wish. But uh, we should move on to the final part of our show, which is called Strange New Ratings. Who wants to stick their neck out and give this episode a rating? Hmm. I'm going to give it 10 eels out of 10. I thought it was a winner. I just enjoyed it thoroughly. <clears throat> wow. Right off the bat. No need to say more. Anybody else want to <laughs> should I just yeah, I... put 10 out of 10 for everybody? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's it's one of those things like I because I, I was shocked the first time that Notch gave an episode a perfect 10, but he made a compelling argument to like, you know, every episode has a thing that you can complain about. Uh, honestly, I don't know that there is a part of this episode that I really had a big problem with. Uh, I mean, yeah, so I maybe I do have to give this one a 10. Uh, uh, although I, I, I don't know, cause it's, it's sort of a, um, there, so I can't find anything wrong with the episode, but I don't know that it's necessarily my favorite episode. So you're maybe a Star Trek to... fan. How dare you not find something wrong with Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe the, the thing that was, that was wrong about it is we didn't revisit, uh, Khan's thick, thick chest. Uh, we needed that scene with Tendi for her to explain uh, her feelings about it and so maybe Mariner that's why i have her. to give it a nine out of ten mariner has shown her how the holodeck works so <laughs> yeah so nine is that is that a nine i, I think of... i'll say nine because it's it's okay yeah it's just hard for me to All give right. a perfect score i don't have your courage i'm gonna get so i'm gonna be controversial i think i'm gonna just give mine a four out of five which would be like an eight out of ten mm -hmm. right but mm -hmm. mostly because and it could be there i think there's a detriment to watching these shows by yourself mm. i find that i laugh more when i watch it with someone mm. and mm. so i was just sitting in a hotel room watching it by myself and so i think that is partly because i didn't like end the episode and go oh man that was great where i had felt that about a previous episode in lower decks you know like mm -hmm. i really where i really enjoyed it and laughed a lot so i thought it was good but and i you know there were some good deep cuts in it the peen thing it almost makes it go up to a 4.5 for me but um but i think i'm just gonna stick with a four out of five yeah and and i think i'll also give it an eight. I was actually thinking of going a little lower, but there's so much. Um, there's a lot of decent stuff, a lot of reference back to other kind of track. What I didn't like was, um, maybe that's because I got I got a wool over my eyes with it not being a trial. But I didn't like how they sort of explained that away and made it like extremely trivial with that pro with that main dude being just somebody waiting to to, to take his daughter's cake. Like what was that? That was a little too. <laughs> far fetched for me so and I actually felt that the lower decks crew um, they got a commendation for it but I felt that they were on point in terms of how they reacted and the questions that they asked in the end right and so so yeah, they kind of explained it back again but I yeah I felt I felt that was a a big shift for me um, yeah I'll, I'll just leave it at that I am actually, I was, was quietly waiting till the end because I wanted to give this an episode of seven, actually. And you guys talked me up to a 7.5 because if some, especially that thing about Boimler's character development pushed me up because <laughs> I, I, I really bumped on the whole reveal at the end. I was not a huge fan of that. And I don't think it was like, it was, it was just, especially, yeah, like you said, Rudy, the guy is just, just sitting up there. Um, that was just, it's, it strained my credulity a little bit. And so, but still, again, it's a fun episode of Star Trek. And a 7.5 to me is an episode of Star Trek I will take any day of the week and watch over again. Mm -hmm. um, it's just not like I will want to watch it over and over and over again. So um, anyway, I, I, again, though, great episode. Um Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Adam, for being here today with me to talk about Star Trek. Thank you, Diana and Max, wherever y'all are at this moment. Probably having some fun. Uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us. Remember to follow us. Remember to tell your friends to listen to us as well. We always enjoy getting strange new listeners. 
Thank you, Jishnu Guha, for our theme music. Uh, he's got a podcast called Geek Fruit, which you can listen to if you so choose. And a special thank you to that dude who came early to set up for his daughter's 100th birthday party. One of the most wonderful things about Star Trek is its portrayal of loving parents that are really an inspiration to all of us. And so uh, I just wanted to give him a special thanks at the end of this. All right, everybody, we'll come back to you with more strange new takes next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.